Hello, my beautiful friends. <laughs> welcome back, or welcome if you're new. This is Black Magic, a podcast and newsletter where I pull a tarot card and I talk about it. I'm Sarah Black. I'm an extremely powerful witch. Please tell all of your friends. They can find my podcast and newsletter at sarahblack.substack.com. Or if you're strictly interested in the podcast, you can listen on Spotify as well as Apple. And if you are not already following me on social, but you would like to, I'm Sarzapan, which is Marzapan with an S (laughs) on Instagram and Twitter. I'm more active there, Uh, but I do also have TikTok which I haven't posted on in ages because that app is like a drain that my mind swirls down every time I open it. And I'm on Letterboxd. I'm becoming more active on Letterboxd. In fact, I've decided to, I've mentioned this before, but paid subscribers to the Black Magic Substack get media playlists for each of these podcast episodes that are inspired by the theme of the card for that week. And I've been posting like just a list of movies or TV shows, music as well. I share a Spotify playlist for music, but for the movies and TV shows, I've just linked to like YouTube, YouTube trailers, but I've realized like, Hey, I'm on Letterboxd and I have never really known what to do with that app. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start making the playlists for the movies and TV shows on Letterboxd and linking them in the Substack post that I send out after each podcast episode. So if you want to see that and you are not already upgraded to a paid membership for Black Magic on Substack, you can do that. Just open up Substack. Can I say Substack more often? God, (laughs) open her on up and hit that upgrade button for a monthly subscription. That's like you're buying me one Starbucks a month. Thank you so much. You can also subscribe annually if you want to save a little bit of money in the long run. And all proceeds from the Black Magic Substack go to me and my rent. (laughs) Please help me. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Anyways, this week, the card that I've pulled, the world, it's kind of uh, sent me in a bit of an existential spiral, but what else is new? (laughs) I've spent... The last two weeks, thinking about the world card and thinking about the themes that it has inspired in me, I've been reflecting on it. So let's get into the description of the card and then we can talk about my descent into madness for the last two weeks. (laughs) So starting with the wild unknown, 
This card is so interesting to me because I didn't really like understand what I was looking at at first. But now that I am like staring at it, it is an eye. We have this like white glowing center surrounded by dark earth and flowers. And then outside of that is it looks like a snake skin. It kind of makes me think of the like Ouroboros, but there's no there's no like head of a snake but it has that, it's like that circular shape with a kind of a snakeskin pattern. And then the ring outside of that is just lines, but in a great, a rainbow gradient. And then this is all against a background of, it looks like maybe space. There's like stars in the background and there's lines that kind of radiate downwards and it has the card or this like orb that's in the middle that looks like it could be like the earth that could be a world a planet but also kind of looks like an eye to me it's like it's speeding through space speeding forward through space or maybe coming towards us it's hard to tell the direction for the weight smith card very different we have a figure a woman wrapped in like a linen, a sheet of some kind, and she's holding two wands, one in each hand. She is surrounded by a circular wreath, and then in the corner of each card is a figurehead. There's a the head of a person, there's the head of an eagle, there's the head of a lion, and the head of a bull. And the way this figure is posed, they have one foot in front of the other, it has this like look of this figure is stepping through the wreath. It's almost like they are passing through it. The figureheads in the Waite Smith card in the four corners represent each of the four fixed signs. So that's Leo, Aquarius, Scorpio, and Taurus. The person, which I've read is supposed to be a cherub, which I guess makes sense, is associated with Aquarius. The bull is for Taurus, obviously, and the lion for Leo. And then the eagle is associated with Scorpio, which I never knew, but I've been reading a little bit, and I guess because eagles are highly perceptive and they can kind of like descend and strike at any moment, they kind of have that similarity to like scorpions, I guess they're the, the scorpions of the sky. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't know that that animal was associated with Scorpio. So that's kind of cool. And then in the wild unknown card, you can see that the elements, again, you can interpret this as them being represented here with the kind of the space in the center of the, of this orb being air and then the dirt and flowers being earth, the snakeskin being associated with the fire element and the rainbow rays along the outside of the orb make me think of like light refracted through water kind of splitting into rainbows. All of these figureheads and zodiac signs or elemental signs as well represent or are associated with the four seasons and the four directions 
and the four suits of the tarot. So overall, there's this feeling of wholeness and balance to the card. It's kind of this feeling of completion of this like journey that you're arriving at the end of. But at the same time, this figure in the Waite Smith card is stepping through the wreath and it gives this feeling of even though a journey, one journey comes to an end, the cycle always continues. The wheel always turns and there's always more to come. One thing that this card has had me thinking about a lot in the last couple of weeks is how we can sometimes think that we are standing still, that we are in a rut, that every day feels like a repetition of the day before and the day before that and the day before that. And it can feel as if we're not making any progress, but something that the world card reminds you is that you are always in motion and the forces around you are always in motion. There's always progress forward being made, even if you don't recognize it in the moment. I kind of went into a internet K-hole of <laughs> looking into the spiral as a symbol. And I have a lot of thoughts around this because I have a story <laughs> about this trip to Italy that I went on last year at this time of year exactly, actually. Like, I think maybe this was... September 13th of last year, I was in Lisbon for maybe the last night or last couple nights before moving on to Rome for four nights, I think. And then after that, my friend and I were taking a train to the south of Italy to a region called Puglia, and we were renting a car to drive to Lecce, from Bari to Lecce. And once we had got in the car in Bari. Uh, we decided to do a little sightseeing along the way to Lecce and we started or we stopped in this little touristy town. Well, like so many of Italy's towns are touristy now, but this like, it's very like historical, this town called Alberobello. And they have um, these like really beautiful little like truly houses that are, if you're familiar with it, are these like little huts that have these like cone shaped pointed roofs on them and very beautiful little town. And while we were there, my friend pulled up just like Google Maps to look around and see what else was in the area that we might check out. And he found a local natural winemaker that had really great reviews and he showed it to me and I saw these like really beautiful wine bottles in the photos that were very simple. They were just like your typical wine bottle, but they had been painted, hand painted with this line along the outside of the bottle in a spiral 
And I just thought that looked really cool and I was very intrigued. So we decided to go find this winemaker. And after we drove around a little bit and got a little bit lost and took many a photo of dilapidated Trulios, um, we found this like a little industrial building in the middle. It, like there was really nothing around it. And there were a couple of shops in this building. And we found the winemaker's shop in this building, but he wasn't there. And I could tell it was his because he had like 50 of the wine bottles in the window. And there was a little like beer brewery right next to it where I went in and found a man and chatted with him a little bit and found, and he told us that the winemaker had gone to get coffee and he would be back in like 15 minutes or 10 minutes. I think we probably sat in that parking lot for like 45 minutes <laughs> waiting for him to come back, but he finally did. And while we were waiting, this SUV with these two women had pulled up and they were sitting there waiting as well. And shortly after this winemaker pulled up and we got out and it turns out that these two women had chatted with the winemaker, his name was Vittorio, on Instagram and arranged to meet at his like wine making shop <laughs> and do like a little tasting and learn a little bit about his like wine making methods. And we got to join in. And so we were there for like maybe an hour, an hour and a half. The wine was incredible. This place is called Loco Wines. Um, really delicious. It was really interesting to talk to him because he, that, the region of Puya is very like internationally known as producing very like fantastic wine, but it's very, it's made in a very strictly traditional way. And this natural winemaker was kind of like breaking all of those rules by making natural wine and using grapes that uh, the big winemakers in that region um, discard because they have too high of a sugar content, I think he was saying. So he was like going around and like gathering all this, like just these perfectly usable, but didn't meet the standards of these big winemakers. He was using these discarded grapes and making this incredible wine. It was absolutely delicious. And he walked us through his process and told us all about that. And at one point I asked him, what made him come up with the design for the wine bottles because I just thought it was really unique and I wanted to know his thought process. And he told us that he had an ex-wife or an ex-girlfriend who was a potter and he wanted to incorporate her art when he was thinking up the, the wine that he wanted to make. And he came up with, or they came up with this idea of having the wine bottle on the like potter's wheel, like the throw, whatever it's called. And they just would spin it and would paint this spiral on the outside of the bottle as the wheel turned. And he told us about this like idea that he had, or this philosophy that he has about how the spiral is life. Those were the words that he used and how you know, you can try to go back to your past and revisit things, but like the spiral only ever moves forward and you can never go back. You can never really go back. And that <laughs> like hit me so hard in that moment because I just like feel like that's very true. Like, you know, every time I revisit 
BC, for example, I go home, you know, I know that I'm a little bit changed and I know that the people that I'm seeing are a little bit changed every time. So I can't ever really recapture the past of, you know, what my life was like when I lived there. I can never really go back. And that, that theme was just like incredibly timely to be thinking about on that trip. And, you know, of course the absolute mind-blowing romance of being in the south of Italy and this little winemaker's shop and talking about wine and being a little bit you know drunk on all the sips that he'd given us like it just all felt so like oh my god (laughs) like this is so significant this is so beautiful and so ever since then like my friend and I will quote that all the time like the spiral is life the spiral is life every time we we feel like we're, we're making big steps in our lives, big steps forward. We talk about the spiral is life. So <laughs> I'm telling this story because <laughs> about two weeks ago, uh, right before I pulled this card, and I can talk about this now because I've made my decision and it's resolved, but I had an offer to potentially move to Vancouver, which is something that I have talked about wanting to do after Montreal, maybe. I'm not really sure that I had a timeline in mind, but basically this offer, this opportunity would mean like me leaving Montreal immediately. And because I am the person that I am, nearly the first thing that I did upon receiving this potential offer was pull a tarot card about it. And I pulled the world which just was so like, it just struck me as so funny because it is a, once again, I feel like I turn to these tarot cards when I am looking for some kind of confirmation or sign that I'm on the right path. And the cards always give me exactly what I never, what I need to hear, but I mean, the cards are also like not a straightforward, like they're not like a divination tool. Like that card could be interpreted in any way. It could mean, you know, if we're looking at the world as the completion of a journey, that could mean that my time in Montreal should come to an end and I should start a new journey by moving to Vancouver. Or it could mean that like my BC time needs to come to an end and the journey is here in Montreal. It's really up to me (laughs) to do the interpreting. The cards can't tell me what to do. It's just a lens for me to kind of consider the decision or the topic at hand. And I ultimately have decided to continue staying here in Montreal for now. I have felt a little bit like that that figure in the Waitsmith card where I have felt like I've been at a standstill in Montreal almost. I moved here four years ago and then like six months after I arrived here, the pandemic started. So since then, it's felt like the process of building a life and a community here has been really stilted (laughs) it's been really hindered by first the you know 
the COVID restrictions. And then I've been working through a lot of anxiety around being in public spaces and being in close quarters with, you know, a big group of strangers like you tend to be when you take public transit anywhere (laughs) or when you go to like tiny little sweaty packed Montreal bars. And I think after this past summer, this past BC summer trip that I make every year, I came back to Montreal with this intention of feeling like stepping through the portal, the doorway at last, and making a real effort to overcome my anxiety and make a life here and put myself out there and build a community. And, you know, I have a little bit more friends here now, and I've been making efforts to go to the movies and go to shows and go out and be around people more and take the metro everywhere. And it's really started to feel like I'm on the verge of feeling like I have a lovely, lively little life here. And as much as I love Vancouver, and as much as I know that I could make that move back and things would work out just as well, like I have a lovely friend group in Vancouver and being in BC means I will be closer to my family. And like, there's so many positives about Vancouver that made me really think about wanting to move back there. Ultimately, I feel like I can't leave Montreal before feeling like I've really given it a solid chance. And I can't help but feel like moving to Vancouver right now at this time in my life would feel like an attempt on my part to return to the person that I was when I still lived in BC and running away from the person that I've been trying to become here in Montreal. I don't think either path is necessarily the wrong path to take, but I can't help but feel like I would regret not giving myself this full effort to build myself into the person that I want to be here in Montreal. The work that I've been very slowly doing over the last four years, even though it's felt a little bit like I'm at a standstill at times, that progress has been happening. And I don't think I really realized it until I had a very solid opportunity to step away from it. Something else that I've been kind of spiraling over and rotting in bed over with this card is that idea of there are so many realities other than just the one that you're currently experiencing. There are all these realities of potential choices that you could have made and didn't. And sometimes we let that the many realities just like overwhelm us. We get, we're like that, uh, that Sylvia Plath, I don't know if it's a poem or prose from a, an essay or something, but the, the fig tree, I think we're all familiar with it. And just like the inability to, inability to pick one so you just watch them all fall rotten from the tree. It's better to commit to something and step through the wreath, the portal, the doorway, whatever (laughs) metaphor we're going with here, and progress forward 
and it's never ending. <laughs> we will never cease to have those choices to make until we're dead in the ground. And who knows what happens after that. So <laughs> it's exhausting, <laughs> but it's also kind of exhilarating to be in control of your own life because it doesn't always work out like that. Often we stay in the doorway and the universe pushes us through it in a direction at random <laughs> or we just don't get a lot of say and we have to go forward anyways because we are always moving forward. The spiral is life. And you think about it on a cosmic level. Yes, I've been thinking about that a lot too. I've been really grappling with some big fucking themes these last two weeks. And honestly, I don't know that I'm smart enough to synthesize all the concepts that I've been thinking about into a pithy 30-minute podcast episode. I feel a little bit like Oppenheimer at the start of that movie, just thinking about swirling atoms and electricity and the stars and <laughs> not even being able to not break a beaker in the laboratory. <laughs> I also just went to see Oppenheimer yesterday, so that's why I'm bringing it up. And it was on theme for this podcast episode. It was a little bit of research. I actually felt like I had been spending too much time in my apartment thinking about the universe and the different realities that exist and um, feeling a lot of cosmic dread. So as a little field trip for myself, as a little treat, I decided to go to a noon showing of Oppenheimer yesterday. I haven't seen it yet. So I'm a huge idiot because <laughs> crazy, but that movie actually did not make me feel better. <laughs> But great movie. I really, really enjoyed it. I cannot stop thinking about it. But yeah, I do feel like I'm, I'm really trying my hardest to shove these huge cosmic themes into my brain and synthesize it in a way that is relatable and entertaining. And I, do, I don't know if I'm succeeding but here we go. So on a cosmic scale, if we think about our forward momentum, the spiral is life. It is very much true because let's think about how you feel sitting, listening to this podcast right now on your couch, maybe, or maybe you're rotting in bed. I'd be honored if that's the case. Like if people are just lying in bed, staring at the ceiling, listening to my voice. Wow. I'm flattered. <laughs> But what am I talking about? <laughs> if you're just like sitting here listening to me talk, you feel maybe very stationary, but we know that that is not the case because the earth is orbiting the sun. And then beyond that, the sun is hurtling through the galaxy and we are orbiting the sun as we too hurdle through the galaxy. It's not like the sun just stays stationary and we orbit around it. 
And actually, I like watched this whole PBS video about like how we travel through space time. And I will link it in the media playlist that I'm going to release with this episode. But I'll read the description because it actually blows my frickin' mind. <laughs> and it's so well worded that I can't even, I don't even want to like try to improve upon it. So here we are on planet Earth which spins on its axis and revolves around the sun, which orbits in an ellipse around the center of the Milky Way, which is being pulled towards Andromeda within our local group, which is being pushed around inside our cosmic supercluster, Laniaki. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. By galactic groups, clusters, and cosmic voids, which itself lies in the KBC void amidst the large-scale structure of the universe. So that sounds crazy. (laughs) And then this is the much more poetic description. You are wheeling in a squished corkscrew that shifts to a rolling wheel as it dips above and below the galactic disk, tracing flower petals around the Milky Way, which in turn forms a galactic scale helix, the sum total of our wheeling dance across space-time. Like, let's think about all of our petty little grievances during the course of a day all of our teeny tiny insignificant little problems on that scale are just like <laughs> they're nothing they're a whisper of dust like you we all as people the the lifespan that you are currently living is absolutely nothing we are nothing <laughs> And that sounds so depressing on one hand, but it's also so freeing because (laughs) if nothing matters, then nothing matters. Do you know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? (laughs) And I think that duality of nothing matters, so nothing matters, is also very key to the world card because the world is filled (laughs) with duality. Life is both absolutely terrifying and depressing while also hopeful and beautiful. (laughs) And you can find that evidence of that everywhere in nature. And humans too are inherently a part of that nature. And so we too, our relationships with each other and our emotions are both terrifying and beautiful. There's a duality of Grief can only exist because we love so deeply. Once we become aware of that, once we are able to balance, keep that knowledge in balance, we become that open eye in the wild unknown card. We are aware, we are awake to the terrifying, beautiful, maddening, inspiring plurality of the universe that there's just no escape from. (laughs) So that's what I've had on my mind this week. (laughs) Hopefully that's even a tiny bit coherent. (laughs) I ate like six CBD gummies today because 
I don't think that CBD really has any effect on me. I don't really feel anything. But they were like these little cherry cola flavored gummies. So I just kind of kept eating them like they were candy and then had to be like, oh, there's like a lot of CBD in these. So I think I'm okay. But I don't know. I might listen back to this and be like, what the fuck am I talking about? (laughs) Hopefully that's not the case. But I got to move on from this card because I am actually losing um, my grip (laughs) a little just a little bit. And I got things to do this weekend. <laughs> I just, I need to move on. So thank you. If you're still listening, if you followed me through all of that and you are still here, I am in love with you. And thank you so much for listening and supporting. And I would love for you to just have the most beautiful rest of your week and weekend. And if you are a paid subscriber, you will be hearing from me on Sunday with the reflection card. I love and cherish you all. Goodbye.